The parables and the actions of Jesus are filled with image after image of God's lavish generosity. The unforgivable debt is forgiven. A life of sin is wiped away. The ungrateful son is welcomed home to a banquet. A house is turned upside down to find a coin. Invitations to a sumptuous banquet go out to all on the highways and byways. Seventy times seven is the number of times God forgives. The lame walk, the mute speak, the leper is purified. Again and again, Jesus teaches and demonstrates that his heavenly Father wants us to give a life lived in a household now and forever, where literally everything he has is ours, where we are given the intimate privilege of calling him Abba, Dad. Hearing these things amazes us. Experiencing these things overwhelms us. But repaying God for these things? That's what Jesus invites us to consider in today's gospel. Perhaps it would help to recall another of Jesus' parables to understand exactly what he's getting at. This is from the gospel of Matthew. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the auditing, a debtor was brought before him who owed a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying it back, his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children, and all his property in payment of the debt. At that, the servant fell down, did him homage, and said, be patient with me, and I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. Now we know how the story continues, how the forgiven servant goes out to another who owes him a tiny sum and breaks him over the coals. We can finish the story ourselves. We've heard it so many times. But did we savor just for a moment that unexpected and undeserved blessing that the king bestowed on his servant? He forgave him a huge amount, a sum so vast that he could not possibly have repaid it. Jesus was signaling that the debt he paid for our sins was just so great and even greater that we could not possibly have repaid it left to our own resources. And so an essential element for understanding God's generosity is to develop a sense of indebtedness. We could not possibly have paid the price of our redemption so God paid for it himself through the blood of his son. It's when we develop an awareness of indebtedness to God that we also begin the habit of giving thanks to God for each and every blessing. Now, indebtedness to God is not the same thing as our indebtedness to our bank. Bank loads, loans have to be paid back dollar for dollar with interest. And we have to earn the money that we pay them back with. Indebtedness to God, on the other hand, involves first giving thanks and then taking seriously our responsibility to imitate God through the way that we deal with others. We could never repay him, but we can imitate his generosity. And so, looking at today's passage from Luke, 
We hear Jesus call us to rearrange our priorities, literally our invitation lists. And he says, when you hold a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Blessed indeed will you be because of their inability to repay you. In other words, their inability to repay us teaches us the very position that all of us have in our relationship to God. None of us has the ability to repay God for what he is constantly doing for us. But we can imitate God's generosity by giving priority in our actions and our attitudes to those who are unable to repay us. It's just that stance that the author of the book of Sirach teaches us. My child, conduct your affairs with humility and you will be loved more than a giver of gifts. Humble yourself, the greater you are, and you will find favor with God. St. Paul once challenged the Christians at Corinth, what do you have that you did not receive? In other words, everything we have and are is a gift from God. And as we remember, the father told the prodigal son, the brother of the prodigal son, everything I have is yours. The more we allow ourselves to be overcome by the realization of God's goodness to us, God's unfathomable largesse, the more humble we become because our sense of indebtedness to God will cause us to repay him in kind. One might even say repay him in kindness because the one who is our kin is literally the one to whom we are the closely, most closely related. And that's where the word kindness comes from. And in the family of God, we are immediate kin to everyone. In these days approaching my retirement, I find myself in deeper and deeper realization of my own indebtedness to God. I thank God for my family and my friends, for my coaches and my mentors, my spiritual directors and professors, my vocation as deacon, priest, and bishop, for all the people I've had the privilege of serving, like you, here in the Archdiocese of Seattle, the Diocese of Joliet, the Diocese of Little Rock, and the Diocese of Memphis, for the friendship God has extended to me from the very beginning of my life, and for his unfailing, lavish, incomparable, merciful love. In retirement, I hope to grow even more as a thankful man who lives his life each day in imitation of God's humble and infinite generosity. This morning, I found myself calling to mind the 13th century prayer from St. Richard of Chichester. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults thou hast borne for me. O most merciful Redeemer, friend, and brother, may I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly. Amen. Archbishop, I got a chance to say a little of what's in my heart and in the hearts of all of us 
in the letter I wrote for today's bulletin. It didn't begin to say it all. We're profoundly grateful to you for your years of gentle shepherding, and we find it difficult to let you go. But wherever you go, you're always going to be part of us. You're going to be part of this local church. You're one of us. You will be in our prayers, and I'm confident that we'll be in yours. As a little reminder of your years here and of this cathedral and of this community that you came to love, we want you to have a little book that tells some of your St. James story in photos. <laughs> You'll be surprised, I think, at really how young you looked when you first came here. <laughs> I'm afraid your years among us, maybe we took our toll on you. No, no. So the little book is, is your reminder of us. Right. To remind us of you and of your ministry among us, we're going to place your coat of arms, which you humbly never put anywhere in the cathedral while you were with us. We're going to place your coat of arms out in the cathedral's west vestibule among those of your predecessors. In fact, we're going to do that as part of our procession out of the cathedral this afternoon on our way to the reception, which you're all invited to in the cathedral hall. And any of you who would like are invited to join us out there in the vestibule as we process out there. Of course, Archbishop, we don't really need your coat of arms to remind us of you, but it will be a good to have it there nonetheless, a silent reminder to all of us of your blessed years among us. Too few, but so good. And now, as a sign of our love, and an assurance of our abiding prayers, I'm going to invite young Eli Riggio to come to the pulpit to pray a blessing over you in the name of all of us. Will you all please join me in extending a hand in blessing towards our Archbishop? Archbishop Sartin, may the road rise up to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face, the rains fall soft upon your fields, and until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. Amen. Thank you, Eli. Great job. When Father Ryan mentioned uh, having the coat of arms hung in the vestibule at the end of the procession, I was afraid he was going to say that I had to climb the ladder to put it up there. <laughs> But I'm assuming that somebody else will do that. Well, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> if, so better, you may better come back there and watch, just in case. Like uh, Father Ryan, I, I had an opportunity in our uh, Northwest Catholic magazine that just came out the other day uh, to express my gratitude to you and all the people in the clergy of the archdiocese. And like Father Ryan, those uh, 900 words barely touched the surface of the things that I would like to say. But suffice it to say, this day that truly and truly it's been an unbelievable honor for me to be sent by God to be here as your shepherd for these nine years, nine years that I will never forget, and nine years in which the Lord has showered me with blessings upon blessings and taught me many things he knew I needed to know. And I think he also knows that I have a whole lot more to learn, and so in retirement he's got some things I think in store for me there as well. I think he's going to keep me busy. In particular, this day, uh, because I'm at my cathedral, I want to say a, a particular word of thanks to you, Father Ryan, and to the incredible staff here. Uh, that includes everybody, and it's a big staff, by the way, 
But that also includes the hundreds of parishioners who are involved in so many things in the life of the cathedral. To make this cathedral, I think, what the church intends for a cathedral to be, that it's the place from which all of us are fed at the Eucharistic table, and then we go forth to feed others in all the ways that nourishment comes, in all the ways that nourishment is needed, especially here in the city of Seattle. Father Ryan knows that I have always looked forward to celebrating liturgies here. And if the, this might be the first time for some of you to be at the cathedral, uh, you know why I say that. Uh, there's also a, a kind of uh, invitation always. It's, it's, an, it's an instinctive in invitation that people feel when they come to our cathedral to sing and participate and to praise God together because that's the invitation that this beautiful building brings. But more importantly than that, it's the invitation that God issues so clearly whenever we celebrate the Eucharist here. So I truly will miss celebrating the sacraments here, celebrating the special liturgies of the year. I'll be back to visit, that's for sure. And uh, I'm uh, just once again more grateful than I can possibly say uh, to let you know uh, how grateful I am for the time that the Lord has given me in your midst. And you indeed will continue to be in my prayers, not just for the next few months, but always and everywhere. You will be in my prayers.